Hi, I'm Pastor Lori Boucher, and I want to personally welcome you to the HeartStrong Discipleship Podcast. Are you ready to study the Bible together chapter by chapter? If you go to heartstrong.life and sign up for a free membership, you will get access to the full Bible reading plan and all the bonus discipleship content that we have prepared for you. Open up your Bible and get ready to take some notes because God is going to speak to you today. Let's become heartstrong disciples together through the study of God's Word. Hi, Heartstrong. I'm so glad to be sharing with you today. We're looking at Genesis 27 and 28. Um, and the first question we ask is how does the story of Esau and Isaac, how does it point us to Jesus? They are, when you read this, and I think many of you will be able to recognize with this. There are many people who can identify with being part of a dysfunctional family. Reading these chapters about the family of Isaac gives us a whole new view and hopefully a better understanding of the fact that God is greater than even the most backstabbing dysfunctional family I think that ever lived. In Genesis 27 and 28, these two chapters are filled with deceit and trickery and lies and deception. Uh, and all of it is with the intention to gain blessing and prosperity above brothers and family members. All of this backstabbing and behind the scenes trickery is focused on family members. And one can, can maybe still justify it if the actions were directed towards an enemy or even maybe a neighbor, somebody you don't like. But it was family they were cheating. Now, now, here's the good news. Despite all of that, God's sovereign plan is still fulfilled and reveals himself to us in a spectacular way in Genesis 27 and 28. God is revealed in these chapters as faithful and true to his promises. We see in these chapters how God honors his covenant he made with Abraham. And we see the fruit of the unmerited favor on the lives of Abraham's sons and heirs. Now, real quick, in the Bible, and this is important for us to understand, we find there are two different types of covenants. We have conditional and unconditional covenants. The law of Moses was a conditional covenant, which means in order for me to get something, I have to fulfill what I said I will fulfill. There's a contract. Under the law, the people had to fulfill the law to have God's favor and blessing. And if you don't do your part, you can't earn the favor. But if you do your part, you can get the favor. So it's based on your performance. Now, just to be clear, God didn't suggest this covenant. The people asked for it because they thought they could do it. They thought that they were good enough. But now, that, that was a conditional covenant, an unconditional covenant. This is the one that God made with Abraham. So the way they would make a covenant in those days is uh, they would take bulls and rams and they would split them in half. And they would separate the two halves. And then the two parties that were going to enter into the covenant, they would stand at the opposite ends and they would walk through the middle of these two separated, uh, of the animals that's been separated, the, the, the bulls and the rams. And they would walk through the middle of them. They would pass over the blood. They would walk over the blood saying, we are switching places. I stand for you and you now stand for me. And if I break my part of the covenant, you can do to me what we did to these animals. 
and you can do to my family and everybody who works for me and everybody I own, you can do the same to them. But here's the amazing thing. When God made the covenant with Abraham, Abraham prepared the whole thing and everything was perfect. And then the moment it came to the place where Abraham and God had to pass through the middle, God caused the sleep to fall on Abraham. And only God passed through the animals and walked over the blood. He said to Abraham, Abraham, we are in a unconditional covenant. There are no conditions for you. Things that you have to do for me to stick to what I said I will do. He said, Abraham, the promises I have made you are not based on your performance or your abilities. It is called an unconditional covenant, a covenant of grace. In these chapters, we see how God keeps his covenant, not based on the actions of the people. Now, we have to explore the context and study this, this, the scripture within context. Covenant and blessing was something that the people of that time took very seriously. We don't have the same view of blessing um, as they do. We say bless you when somebody sneezes. But the blessing of the father to the sons in those days in context, man, that it was seen as the greatest act of a father. The greatest act a father could do. If you think about it. The value of their words and their blessing, it was irreversible to them. Today, if a son deceives a dad and he claims to be someone he is not and the father blesses him, if it comes out that he was deceived, we would just say, oh, take it back. Take back your blessing. You're not really blessed. I didn't really mean it. But Isaac had such an honor and value for his word and his blessing that after he became aware of the fact that he was deceived by Jacob, he never said to Esau, oh, I will just reverse it. I will just take it back. Don't worry about it. It said he shook. He was so upset that his whole body shook because he realized, I can't take this blessing back. I've already said it. How amazing would it be if we as a society can get back to the place where we value our words and blessing as much as they did for us us as believers wow that would mean we would believe God when he says he is for us we believe him when he says we are now his children and the curse of the law and the conditional covenant it's been paid in full we will live with security under this new covenant knowing that God is for us he says so. So who can be against it and who can change it? No one. Now, how do I want you to apply these two chapters to your life? The application is then the following. The application of knowing we are no longer under the law. We are no longer under performance-based uh, relationship with God, but we are under grace. And like Jacob, it's not based on our performance. But it's based on God's word and what Jesus Christ accomplished for us. This should encourage us to live as children of God, a God that has an amazing plan for every single one of us. It should encourage us to apply his principles from his word. Even when we don't know exactly how it's going to work, even when it doesn't make sense. 
And when we apply his principles because of his covenant with his children, his unconditional covenant, he will perform and bring things about that we could never have thought or imagined. Jacob experienced tremendous blessing and favor far beyond what he deserved or worked for. Now, I want us to respond in prayer. Pray about what you are learning throughout the study of the Bible. Let's pray about this. Even if you are at a place where you have to repent, it's a good time to do so. Meaning, change the way I think God. Change the way I think about being worthy of deserving your blessing. We are not worthy based on our works. But because of Jesus and the new covenant, you are now part. And you get to be part of his blessing and his undeserved favor. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that we can learn so much from Old Testament, Old Covenants, conditional, unconditional covenants. And I pray, Father, for those of us that have to repent, to think it's based on our performance, your love and your favor and your grace. It's based on how good we are. We want to repent and say, Father, teach us, show us more. This discipleship course that we're doing, Father, Show us more about what it means to be your child. And it's not based on our performance, but it's based on your unconditional love for us. We thank you for that. Amen. Amen. Um, now, trust, trust God. Trust Jesus today with the steps that you take, with, with your successes and also with your failures. But start applying his principles from his word. Start applying his principles and know that God's grace he says His grace is more than enough for you. Let's read together. We are going to read now Genesis 27 and 28. Let's start in Genesis 27. It says the following. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is hairy. He's a hairy man while I'm smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and he got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food. Just the way the father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth parts of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. 
He went to his father and said, My father? Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you, has to as you have told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. J Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father I Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and he kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be the Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence. His brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then? that hunted game and brought it to me. I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard this, heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came and deceitfully and he took your blessing. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taking my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants. And I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. 
Esau had a, held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what, and for, forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come, to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of, of these Hittite women. If Isaac takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. And this flows into Genesis 28. So Isaac's mom said, uh, oh, Jacob's mom said to Isaac, Isaac, I don't want Jacob to have a wife that is from the Hittites. So I want you to send him away because if he takes a Hittite wife, then my life will not be worth anything. Because she said that, we're now in Genesis 28. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. And then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman, which is a Hittite. Go at once to Padan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of people. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Padan Aram, to Laban's son at Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padan Aram to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Now, Esau already, he's already married a Canaanite woman. Continues. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Badam Aram. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite woman were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahalath, the sister of Naboath and the daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham in addition to the wives he already had. Jacob's dream at Bethel. Jacob left Beersheba and set out to Aran. When he had reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are living. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth 
and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Remember, that's the unconditional covenant that we spoke about earlier. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took a stone he had placed under his head and he set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household. Then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you one tenth. Wow. Two amazing chapters with so much in it. I want to say again, the main message for me that I got out of all of this, this, these, the, this dysfunctional family of cheating and deceiving and lying. Um, even Isaac was trying to cheat God by blessing Esau. Um, th there is so much deception. But despite all of that, God comes again and he confirms his covenant and his promise that he made to Abraham. Our God is faithful. And I hope you gather that from this passage. Now, now a few things. I'm just going to highlight some of the, the, the phrases. It says, now it came to pass when, when Isaac was old, is the first thing that I want to highlight, is um, Isaac believed his time had come to die. And this was his way of settling his affairs. It's like a last will and testament for us. Isaac was old but perhaps not near death as he might have thought he, he was. Because Isaac thought that he was going to go now, so he wanted to give his blessing. And Martin Luther calculated Isaac's age at this point to be 137 at this point. He actually lived to be 180. So Isaac lived another 43 more years, which is good information to have. He said to make me some savory food such as I love. Isaac asked, he asked um, Esau. Isaac asked, asked for food. But he, he seemed to mostly glory in Esau's power as a manly hunter. This is really what Isaac loved about Esau. And we later find out that he actually could not even taste the difference between Esau's food and what Rebekah cooked him. Because Rebekah prepared a meal for him from the flock. It wasn't even game. It wasn't the taste of food that attracted Isaac to Esau. But it was the prized thought that Esau was a mighty warrior and a mighty hunter. This is what Isaac really loved. Now, strangely, Isaac insisted on on giving the blessing to Esau, the one whom God did not choose. In Genesis 25, 23, Esau despised his birthright and he married a pagan wife. It seems that Isaac actually rejected godly thinking and spiritual wisdom. And instead of 
following God's direction, he followed man-centered ideas, a warrior, a hunter, a mighty man. And that's why Isaac wanted to bless him. Now, this is another part which I find very interesting. This is after Rebekah called, called Jacob and said, listen, we're going to deceive your father. Jacob says the following words. He says, perhaps my father will feel, he will feel me. And I shall seem to be a deceiver to him. So Jacob, true to his name, which means trickster, scoundrel, he was actually happy to go along with Rebecca's plan. His only concern was, will it succeed? He wasn't worried about deceiving his father. He was worried about getting caught. So it says he went and he got the, the, them, the animals that Rebecca asked for, and he brought them to his mother. Um, so once Jacob overcame his fear of getting caught in his deception, he was ready to carry out Rebecca's plan. Rebecca's, Rebecca basically manipulated Isaac and Jacob, but Jacob was willingly, and he was willing to be manipulated. Now, his father, Rebecca, Esau, and Jacob, all of them were deceiving each other. At this point, each person in this drama acted in man-centered wisdom and energy and not according to divine or spiritual wisdom or energy. Even Esau, in agreeing to Isaac's plan to give him the birthright, disregarded the previous promise to allow Jacob to have the birthright. Esau made a promise to Jacob that he will have his birthright. And Esau, because Isaac called for him, said, oh yeah, we'll just go along with it. I am Esau, your firstborn. Sometimes it is difficult to discern a lie. Because the Lord your God brought me, and this is something that Jacob said, and this is how extreme this deception was. Isaac asked Jacob, are you my son? He said, I am your firstborn. I am your firstborn. I am your son. He said, and how did you get an animal so quickly? And listen to Jacob's response. Because the Lord your God brought it to me. Jacob the scoundrel did not hesitate to give credit to God and use God as part of the deception. Wow. Then he goes on, are you really my son Esau? And he, Isaac asked him again. Even under repeated questioning, Jacob stayed confirmed in his lie. Partially, Jacob took advantage of his father's good nature. Isaac probably would not have believed that Jacob would lie to him so repeatedly. And then what happened is Isaac blessed him. Isaac blessed Jacob as the spiritual head of the family. As soon as, as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, the, the timing of each aspect of the story makes it even more dramatic. As soon as Jacob received the blessing and left his father's presence, Esau, his brother, comes in from the hunt. And he says, now I'm here, let your soul bless me. Now we picture Esau hunting and he's returning and he's preparing food with pleasure like he's happy. He would be receiving the blessing from his father and all the material benefits that will go with it, so he's excited. But then... When he says, I am Esau, I am your son, I'm here for your blessing. And Isaac says, I've already blessed you. It says that Isaac trembled exceedingly. 
Isaac began to shake convulsively. This phrase is very strong. He was overcome with a deep sense that something had gone wrong in his plan to, to, to bless Esau instead of Jacob. And this phrase could be translated, Isaac trembled most excessively with a great trembling. I want to say this again. In today's world, when we think about if, if I had to bless somebody or give somebody my blessing, we would simply think I can just take it back. But in those days, the blessing and the words carried so much weight that because he has, says it, he has said it, he realized there's no way of going back on it. It says, as soon as Isaac perceived that he has been wrong in wishing to bless Esau, what happens is Isaac, the good news is he did not persist in it. And also what we realize is he says that, that there is no other blessing that I can give, I can give to you. Esau cries out, bless me, bless me also, oh, oh my father. And Esau repeated this agonizing plea, yet we understand that Esau valued his father's blessing mainly for material things. He did not value the blessing spiritually. So then we go on and, and we get to the place where it says that Jacob traveled. But before we get there, it says that revenge is coming. And, and Esau said, you know, I'm going to have my revenge. Um, the moment my father dies and we have mourned, I am going to kill Jacob. Now, the part which Esau at that point didn't understand is that Isaac actually lived another 43 years, which means that Esau's anger settled and he wasn't as angry with him as he was uh, the day he was deceived. Now it goes on um, to Genesis 28 and it says that, that Jacob dreamed a dream. He was, he was in a desert and he took a stone and he used it as a pillow. Now one can only imagine the strange flood of feelings in Jacob at this point and in this moment. The fear, the loneliness, the isolation, the excitement and the anticipation. And this was going on in Jacob's life because so much had happened. And now in his dream, a ladder was set up on the earth and it reached to the heavens. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And in Jacob's dream, um, there was now access to heaven. Jacob sees that God is closer than he ever thought before he could be. And he realizes because of his dream that he has real access and he can have real interaction between earth and heaven. He says the God of Bethel is the God who does not concern himself with the things of the earth. Not a God who shuts himself up in heaven, but a God who has a ladder fixed between heaven and earth. It's words from Spurgeon, he said, like Jacob realizes that God is not just up there. He wants to be part of our lives also. It continues and it says that in the dream, God says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. Jacob had no doubt heard about the God of Abraham. And also from his father. He's heard about God. But now for the first time, the same God that has appeared to Abraham and Isaac appears to Jacob also. Man, God met Jacob in a personal way. This was a life-changing experience for Jacob. It says he called the place Bethel. Now, 
There's only one place in the Bible that's mentioned more than Bethel, and that's Jerusalem. So Bethel became a very important role in Israel's history. We're going to finish with this. And this is where, where Jacob makes the following statement. He says, if God will be with me, this can also be translated, since God will be with me. But knowing Jacob, he undoubtedly meant it in the sense of, God, if you will be with me, um, like if you will be with me, then I will do something. He's trying to strike a deal with God. But the good news is, Jacob, listen to me, brother. You are in an unconditional covenant. God's with you not because of anything that you've done or anything you're going to do. God is with you because of the covenant he made with Abraham. But he says, if God will be with me, God gave him a promise that, that he will be with him. He said, if God will be with me, I will give one-tenth of everything I have to him eventually. I will be completely yours. Now, these two chapters, I, I think when we just read through them, we can easily just look at the life and the story of Esau and Jacob and Isaac and Rebekah, and we can see the deception and, and how Jacob got his inheritance. But, but I do want to say to you again, I hope more than anything that what really stands out to you as, as it stood out to me is the fact that we have a God that stays true to his word and he never changes. And we are also in a covenant called grace. The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus died for all your sins on the cross. The moment you accept him as your final payment, you are no longer under the law. You're no longer under the curse of the law, but you are now under the grace of God. A new covenant he's given us. And it's a covenant of grace. Grace means undeserved favor. Therefore, the way I live and the way you live on a daily basis, it's not performance-based. Now, because we've received this amazing grace from God, I want to do everything I possibly can to honor him. The same way for my wife. I love my wife and because she shows me grace doesn't mean I'm going to take advantage of it. It actually means that I'm going to do everything I can even more to a greater measure to make sure that I'm a good husband. In the same way, I want to encourage you. This grace that God has shown us, do everything you can to an even greater measure where you start following and applying his principles. I hope these two passages spoke to you. Um, I know, again, it stirred up something in me uh, as a reminder that our God is faithful. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing to us your faithfulness. Despite our actions, despite Jacob's actions, you, you kept your covenant. You are a covenant-keeping God. We love you, Lord. Jesus Christ, wonderful name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's Bible study. Don't forget to visit heartstrong.life to access our daily blog for even more encouragement. Visit the Heartstrong shop with all kinds of awesome merch like hoodies, t-shirts, and mugs to remind you of this awesome journey of discipleship that you are on. Log in to heartstrong.life to access all your member content, resources, and downloads. We have live Bible studies for adults, students, and a Bible bootcamp for kids. Let's become heartstrong disciples together.